Hello, this is Nathan Ray, and this is my friend, Brittany Ward. Hi, Brittany. How are you, Nathan? I am a little bit tired, just woke up. Just had a reasonably good conversation with a friend of mine before doing this interview, so things are pretty okay. How about you? I'm doing well. Conversation with friends are always uplifting, so I'm happy to be here with you. How do we know each other? We know each other from The Send, which is a long story, but basically the whole reason why we're talking today is Holy Spirit wanted us to meet. And I think that's the short and sweet version, but yeah, yeah, we both love the Lord and we went to an event in Florida in February of 2019. And since then, we've kept in touch. We're both believers and we love Jesus. If I want to go more into specifics... I would say the exact moment when we first met was at the Orlando International Airport. I had just arrived at the airport. You had also arrived with your own set of friends, Alex, Nati, and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Before going to the send, my initial mindset was, I'm going to stake it out alone. I'm going to be living my life as a homeless dude because I can't afford room or board. And I think in hindsight, my initial way of thinking was absolutely wrong. And it was good of me to join up with you guys because otherwise I would have been completely screwed. But I think I remember when I first met you specifically, within 15 minutes, I had 100% total respect for you because I could see that you were acting and you were speaking in a way that was unlike anyone else I'd ever met. And that's something that might sound a little bit overblown, but literally I had never really met anyone like you, someone who was so pure and I want to say innocent, because I know after getting to know you a bit more, like you've been through your own hardships and like you're definitely not innocent in the sense of you're unaware of what is going on in the world and how terrible it can get, but you're still at peace. And I think since then, the only person I've ever met who comes anywhere close to having that kind of expression of purity and innocence is probably the actor known as Jason David Frank, who's probably best known for playing Tommy Oliver on Power Rangers. (laughs) I love that. I'm a Power Ranger. I can accept that. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I remember and this is going into a bit of a side story, but I was volunteering at a convention in 2019. And I remember seeing him on the guest list and thinking to myself, this guy is this washed up actor who acted on this show for preschoolers. He's probably only coming here for the money. He doesn't really care about the fandom experience. And if he's saying that he does, it's just so that people can pay him to get an autograph. But when I actually got the chance to hear him speak on stage, I realized that this guy was actually extremely sincere about living up to his reputation as a childhood hero for many of his fans. And not only was he an actor, but he was also teaching kids how to perform martial arts. He had a clothing brand. He wrote poetry on the side. He was doing all sorts of different things with his life. And within an hour, my opinion of him went from, well, this guy is probably not going to be much to, oh my gosh, I kind of wish that I was more of a fan of Power Rangers just because I like listening to this guy. I I like speaking with him. Yeah. 
And that's sort of the same feeling that I get whenever I speak with you. That's incredible because I honestly can say those words uplift my heart to hear because anytime we meet new people, we always want to put our best foot forward. But at the same time, I'm driven by being authentic. And I think authenticity is a word that's overused or maybe misinterpreted nowadays. But I can truly say and honestly say, I believe in being humble, open, and transparent. And 2019 was a mark of a really hard time in my life where I didn't have direction. I didn't have clarity. I didn't know what the Lord was calling me to. Grew up as a Christian and heard about the send from a friend and was telling people about it, but didn't even have a passport. Didn't know where my passport was because I had moved and given it to my mom. And, you know, it gets lost in all of the hubbubaloo with that. But it was literally a miracle that I was going. And when I had seen you, I was marked by your childlike wonder. The fact that you were willing to just commit to something without having a plan, without knowing what was going to happen, but you were willing to just step into it and know that you were meant to be there. And I remember Natty mentioning that there was a friend he knew from Edmonton that was coming and that he would be joining us, but I didn't understand the capacity of how the Lord would continue to rejoin us at different times and different seasons, even throughout the last couple of years till now you know, where when you find people of high character, you really just stick with them. And that's something that I would say to anyone who's listening or is under the sound of our voice is don't be afraid to take a risk and don't be afraid to connect with people, even if it feels like you've lost touch or you don't talk on a regular basis, that quality community is marked by those who love Holy Spirit and are willing to take a risk. So I love hearing that interpretation because that was not the view I had of myself at all. And I mean, I had some really low moments where I was like, Lord, if you're actually real, I need you to come through for me. And I remember feeling so alone and so isolated and so misunderstood and not having community and really not understanding what my purpose was on earth. And then all of us just took a leap of faith and knew that the send is where we were supposed to go. And everything changed for me. That was literally the mark of, you know, what I called my honeymoon with Jesus and seeing people that were just willing to have nothing and give it all for Jesus is so inspiring. But it's also something that I feel like shouldn't just be a moment. It should be a lifetime. And seeing that that fueled us and inspired us in a way that has marked our life is something that I delight in and that I can share with you years later and say, yeah, God got a hold of our heart and he's forever change us. And it sounds cheesy. (laughs) You know, it does. It sounds like a hyperbole or an exaggeration, but the reality is there's nothing like Jesus. There's nothing like Holy Spirit and there's nothing like running after him alongside people that truly love him. And I think hearing you talk about how you were taken in by my childlike wonder, I, I kind of feel like I was going through the same thing that you were going through. Because giving a bit of background, at the time that I was going to the send, I didn't have a job with consistent hours. I was being financially supported by government welfare. It was a season of my life that I absolutely hated. I wasn't allowed to use any of the money that I was being given by the government to do things like travel. And so in order to go to the send, I had to 
beg for money on the internet, was only able to raise up enough to pay for plane tickets and nothing else. I didn't necessarily go to the send because I felt like, oh, this is, I guess, the destiny that God has called me to be a part of. It was more like, this is something that most of my friends are wanting to go to. I'm kind of wanting to go to it. But now all of my friends are dropping out for various reasons because they don't have the time or money themselves. And if this is going to be a great and amazing moment of the Holy Spirit, then I don't want to have to be the one who stays at home and watches it on a live stream. I'd rather be there in person. And so I think going to the send, it didn't necessarily feel like a divine miracle the way that I got there. It felt more like me imposing a force of will to ensure that I got there. Ending up with you and the rest of our friends was definitely a part of a divine miracle because without being with you guys, I don't think I would have been in a really good position to take care of myself. And I remember that during the entire time that I was in Florida, I was under this constant state of fear and worry that I was going to miss out on what God was offering me. And that, you know, how like when people, they travel to Europe or they go on this big adventure, they're able to take pictures of all the great things that they did and post those pictures on Instagram. But they come back from that trip, not really fundamentally changed as a person. That's not really what I wanted with this trip in particular. I felt Mm -hmm. like If I was going to put myself over the edge of stress and spend $600 just to get down to Florida, then I needed to make my time worthwhile in some way. And if God didn't move, if it didn't happen, then I had just wasted all my time and money on an experience that might have been fun, but it wasn't life-changing. Absolutely. But of course, the send ended up being a life-changing experience for both of us and thousands of other people who were attending alongside us. It allowed us to build new relationships with people uh, across the world, some of whom I've featured on this very show. And I think it's contributed to one of the greatest moments of my life. I think what's amazing about hearing your experience is that God really meets us in the middle, you know? whether it was making the intentional decision to just make it happen, like you vocalized, or, you know, feeling like Holy Spirit is asking us to step into something without knowing. He meets us in the middle and he encounters us in the same way. And everything that you described always brings me so much joy because we all were so drastically impacted, but in our own way and wherever God needed to meet us in that situation. And that's the one thing that I have seen has changed is, Holy Spirit isn't just marked by events. And oftentimes as believers, we can kind of get in that groove or that mindset, I think, especially if we're raised in the church where we think, okay, going to the building is where we can feel his presence or, you know, singing the right song or being with the right people who have this somewhat appearance of feeling anointed. And I think sometimes we get in our jargon or we get in like the little lingos as believers, like the Christianese or whatever people want to call it. And the reality is, Holy Spirit wants to do that in your bedroom, in the secret place, no matter where you go, he meets you there and he wants to encounter us the same way. And personally, for me, that's where it changed, where 
I had encounters with Holy Spirit. I never chased events or specific people, but I was hungry. And the fact that we were both hungry in a new way or in different ways, but yet he honored us in that desire to encounter him just blows my mind. And it never will stop blowing my mind because he does it on a regular basis, you know, and I feel like that's the fruit of what I'm living out in the season. But yeah, I always love hearing your experience and the power of community, right? That we both needed community in different ways or the blessing that community comes with expressed differently in each of our lives. But the fact that when we come together and where two or three are gathered, he really is there and it just warms my heart. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of how God works, how has God been working in your life as of late? Honestly, he just calls you into things that you're not ready for. (laughs) I feel like it's been this journey of adventure. And as a child, I think I didn't have a lot of structure, consistency, and I craved structure and consistency. Whereas my heart has always desired adventure and being spontaneous. And as God has continued to love me and woo me and meeting me in every memory and every place that I've ever been, adventure and spontaneity continues to just thrive in my life. And it it does, it makes my heart come alive in a new way because that's when dependence really comes into play. You know, I think 2019, we talk about reminiscing and reflecting on how it's changed us. I remember when I got back from the send and back from what I call my honeymoon with Jesus, you know, like that close, intimate time with him, getting to know his character, getting to know his quirks. I said to him, I'm like, Lord, I don't care what the cost. I just want to depend on you every day of my life. I want to rely on you like never before and never look back. And let me tell you, (laughs) when you pray dangerous prayers, the Lord answers them. (laughs) And I encourage all of us, even myself, to acknowledge one, first of all, that God answers the prayers that we think we need, but he also answers them in ways that we would never expect. And I think he just knows what we need more than we do. And so what that looks like is I'm actually in the United States right now. I went for a friend's wedding and the Lord told me in January, everything is going to change in June. And I had no idea what that meant. You know, a lot of times, like he does, he says statements that are open-ended and it's left for interpretation. But I think the most beautiful part is that God never ceases to lead me into childlike wonder. And I think that would describe my season of just continuing to take one step at a time because we really do make our plans, but he guides our steps. And I think just learning new versions of being still and letting him fight on our behalf, because I think life brings a variety of challenges or new things every day that we can never anticipate. Or even if we try, they look different than what we envisioned. But just finding beauty in the littlest of things. And that's just so special, you know, because it marks how well God truly does know us. It says that he tests and knows our heart, but he also just loves to surprise us and loves to woo us with wonder and woo us with the way that he just wants to make every little thing special. And I'm biased because I'm a very detail-oriented person, so I already naturally look for those things. But just seeing where God meets people in the middle of their personality and their character or like prayer life, how people can talk to him. If your personality is like, Lord, I messed up, you know, and 
It doesn't have to be eloquent or elegant, but if someone has a wide range of vocabulary and is very articulated with how they speak, that's also okay because God just meets us where we're at. So I think he's meeting me with the desires of my heart, but also showing me that he really does work everything together for our good. Even when I don't ask for it, I'm like, all right, Lord, show me your perspective. Give me your vision because I can't do it in my own strength, you know? Yeah. And before I go into how God has been working into my own life, if I might ask, what is God's purpose in leading you down to the States as far as you're able to discern? I think the beauty of it is there's more insight every day. And I think one thing that God works through in my life is visions or prophecy, but those are just like added bonuses of knowing God's character. And I think sometimes in the church, it's glorified to look for signs and wonders, but I think that's just like the bonus of being in relationship with Jesus, because it's like when you get to know your best friend, you know, someone you meet for the first time and you're like, oh, like they have a nice sense of humor and they like these different interests and their heart burns for this, this, and this, or, you know, I think just finding out the things that make the Lord tick in the way I've discovered it's the human heart, you know, the heart in general. And so that's something that he's discovering more of is what he's put inside of me that align with who he is, but also just leading me on a path of trust. And I think I've always heard the term grace and trust, but there's new facets of what that actually entails in my life on a daily basis, where you sit and God will ask you to do something absolutely outrageous. And again, I believe in being transparent. So in this season, it's starting a business while completing a master's in a pandemic. You know, I never knew that the lack of research being able to move forward would create opportunity for God to open doors and create doors of giving me time to do other things that I thought would be like 20 or 30 years down the road. But that's just how he works. He asks us to step out in faith. And I think there's two ways. There's one waiting on the Lord, which is what I'm doing right now. Of like, okay, God, show me where to go next. And I'll wait for your yes or wait for your direction. And then two, he works by us taking a step and us leading the direction. And then it's like a ship. You need movement or you need the water. You've got to be in the ocean in order for him to steer you in a new direction. And I find it's a balance of both of those things. Okay. But what does that have to do with specifically being in the States? Like, I know the reason why you went down to the States. I believe it was for a wedding, but why not just say, okay, I'm done with this after the event is over, return home to Canada. Why specifically stay in the States? What have you seen as the benefit of that? I think initially it was simply for the logistics of what we can see, aka the border has been closed. I'm not vaccinated because I'm a blood donor for someone who can't be exposed to that. I mean, the vaccination is a whole can of worms. And I would tell anyone just to pursue Holy Spirit and those restraints or even travel in general. I think the spirit of fear really has run rampant. So those things don't specifically apply to me, but they do apply to our circumstances in the real world. So I think the border being closed initially when I had left was a real problem. You know, like I would have to quarantine or, you know, all the logistics with that. And I'm not going to dive into that because... That's a whole other can of worms. But what I can see 
is only half of what God actually has been doing. I would say the fruit of being in the States is being able to be in person with people going into churches. When I first left Canada, everything was in lockdown. Like I was living with my family and two family members actually got COVID and it was right before I was supposed to leave. And I was like, Lord, I literally am caretaking and living with family members that have COVID. How the heck am I supposed to go to the US? Like you have to be tested negative. And the time frame of when they got it slash when I would have been exposed was cutting up on the time of when I would leave and fly to the States for the wedding. And so that was just a whole other layer of trust because, you know, fear tried to creep in, even though I know God is who he says he is. There's a verse that says that he will protect us from pestilence, which is AKA a pandemic, AKA COVID, you know? And so I just stepped into that. And I think that's something that God is showing me through this trip is stepping into his promise, stepping into his biblical words, literally he speaks it out and receiving it as my own. So that whole journey was, okay, I'm just going to believe. And then I went and got tested and I was negative. You know, I think some people would interpret that as a miracle itself or as a confirmation that yes, you should step into it. And just like Gideon, that was my fleece. You know, I think applying biblical principles into my everyday life has just wowed me and wooed me because it's not just God speaks to Noah and Moses from their time frame. It's he speaks and he's willing to meet us here and now. And so, yeah, initially it was just trusting him and knowing that he spoke out that everything would change in June and beyond. And then being here, just the power of community again in a new way, because where I'm staying in Canada or where my family lives is literally in the middle of nowhere. Like the nearest house is like a mile away, <laughs> you know? And so the nearest church or the nearest church that partners with what I align with in my beliefs is, you know, a couple hours away. So the practicality of driving to a church and I'm willing to, but it's not working for the season I was in. So it went from a place of solitude and really diving into the Lord's character. And, you know, a tangible expression of that is I would take 24 hours, one day a week where I would shut off all technology, completely isolate and just get in the word and fast for that day and literally like eat the scrolls. There's reference in the word talking about how we eat the Bible, we eat the scrolls and how 2019 I was asking the Lord for hunger for the word because I had grown up in a Christian school that Bible memory was forced on us, you know, and it left me with this lack of desire to pursue the Lord through his written word and just, you know, use worship or other methods to draw near to him. But 2019 marked me because it was the first time I literally didn't want to put the Bible down. I mean, people talk about fatigue when you're reading or sitting for a long time. And that just was not happening. I was craving more of the word. And so that happened. But being in the States, I think it's all the unexpected things that God has been doing. For instance, a friend and I tried a new church and we just coincidentally, I'm using like the air quotes, never is there coincidence with the Lord. We met all of the people and their leadership. And the person who asked us to sit with them is actually the head of prophecy in their church and teaches about prophecy. And then the next lady I talked to, she was dancing and we bonded about that because I was a dancer as a teenager and, you know, all throughout most of my life. And she's like, oh, I'm actually the lead of intercession. And anyone who knows me, I love intercession. So I just felt so seen by that. And then the Lord highlighting someone for me to go pray for, and turns out it's actually the pastor of the church and hearing that their daughter, I get like a vision 
of a tug of war and their daughter's not walking in accordance to pursuing the Lord and is feeling a little lost and that's groaning on their heart. So just seeing how God uses us as an answer to other people's prayers. And so, you know, I've been traveling around and seeing friends I haven't seen in a while because of the pandemic, but it's so much greater than that. And I think that's what I mean when I say, why the U.S.? I can't fully say, and he exposes that more and more, but it's the little things of like, hey, someone was praying for this breakthrough or for someone to know X, Y, and Z about them. And then you're the one who's answering that prayer. And so just knowing that God can do things without me, like he really doesn't need any of us. He could have just done everything he wants in the earth. But the fact that he chooses to privilege us and give us the honor of being a part of his story and his plan and his dream and his vision always just makes me feel so seen and loved because he lets us be a part of it. Does that answer more specifically? I mean, I can't say all of the details because I'm like, bro, I'm marking it out. I don't know. (laughs) I'll tell you when I come back. Fair enough. I think that gives an adequate explanation. How God has been working in my own life is probably far less dramatic as far as I'm concerned. But for the last month or so, I've been doing a Bible study with my creative partner who lives over in the UK. And it started out because he identifies as asexual, biromantic. He's in a homoromantic relationship with another man. He is also, at the very least, a nominal Catholic. According to him, he says that he's not breaking any rules in scripture. He's living the best life that he can. And that's all well and good, except that when it comes to the creative projects that we both want to work on, he is very insistent on putting in queer characters. And that's not something that I entirely feel like lines up with my values. I don't want to put any content within my stories that's like extremely homophobic, but at the same time, I cannot in good conscience put in a queer character without violating my beliefs about homosexuals and how God feels about them. And this is coming from someone who is friends with quite a few homosexuals and transgender people. Mm -hmm. And so after... Yet another debate that we had, eventually I just said, hey, look, let's just read through the Bible and let's see what God has to say, not just about this matter, but a whole lot of other things that you might have questions about. And so we started off in Genesis. We're going book by book. We're about a quarter of the way through Exodus right now. And while that's going to, I I think it might introduce some logistical issues because we're not going to get to the gospels until like way later down the line unless we intentionally make a break in how we are planning our schedule but I think it's still been very helpful to show my creative partner okay this is how people acted back then this is what they believed in back then For him, it seems like he's treating the Bible as if it really happened, that these are real people, real characters who interacted with God. And I think that is a tremendous sign that something good can be salvaged out of this because most progressive uh, Christians I know, they do not interpret the Bible literally. 
And that creates a whole host of problems for what they're willing to accept and reject in scriptures. Like for us, obviously we, we don't usually take the ideas that, oh, we have to be eating these certain animals in order to be considered clean before God, or we have to make sure that women wear head coverings to church so that they can be pure in the sight of God. Certain denominations will go that far, but I don't think you and I would go that far. But at the same time, we're also not willing to throw out things like the parting of the Red Sea or the seven-day creation or the flood narratives because they seem so fantastical and far-fetched. And so I'm hoping that as we continue to go through the Bible and as I continue to show him that it is a lot more consistent than what most people see it as, then hopefully we can come to more of an agreement as to the kind of content that we want to create, the stories we want to create, and the kind of characters that we want to inhabit those stories. As for how this is going to impact his own personal life and his own personal decision-making in regards to the people he hangs out with and specifically the guy he's dating, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to happen. I know that if he's going to follow God's principles, then there's going to be a whole lot of pain involved. But I also believe that if he does follow God's principles, there is something greater in store for him. I love how literally the only book that reads us while we read it is the Bible. And so I'm excited for you and I'm excited for the journey between the two of you because I'm actually also reading the Bible in its entirety this year. My goal is to not just read it, but to meditate on it. And it's cool because I've been hearing a few other people taking on that task. And there's a few reasons of why I want to read it in its entirety, but we know that when it's written on our heart, it helps us not to sin against thee. And that's in like New King James, whatever. But essentially, like when you put whatever you're exposing your eyes, your ears and your mouth to, whatever goes in has to come out, you know, and I take that lens in terms of movies and music and all these different types of entertainment. But the strategy that I've been going about it is asking Holy Spirit where he wants me to read every day. Because I find I do struggle with a performance mindset sometimes of being like, I'm doing this because I'm a good Christian and I love Jesus and I want to make him happy. And I think that's a reality that we can all go through that phase. I think that's a way that sometimes the enemy or strategies to prevent closeness with the Lord is that we do take on performance mindset or performance values and then make it about proving that we deserve God's love when we know that we've all fallen short of his glory, you know? So That's really helped because I know a few people that have tried to read the Bible in its entirety. We get lost in the process because we're like, oh my gosh, this is tedious. Lord, help us. You know, sometimes we get into genealogy, which it's funny. I love reading the genealogy of where Jesus came from. Back in the day, I'd be like, oh, this is painful. There's a bajillion names. I'm sitting here reading, reading, reading. But now I'm like, wow, it's showing us the trace of where Jesus came from. And that's the coolest part is as we evolve in our walk with the Lord, there's always a new flavor of the word. And so the other thing I've been really enjoying about this process is one, first of all, that we have to read it in context of the author. You know, communication is only effective if we're interpreting it from the stance of who wrote it. You know, if like you're saying with your stories, 
if you are writing about someone who identifies as queer, is the term, I'll just match whatever language or context you're saying, that would be hard for you to understand if you've never encountered that perspective of a person, right? So taking that into account, but also asking Holy Spirit to show the lens or the information that we need to glean from while we're reading the word. Like I literally will sit, and this is a growing point for me, is praying for myself the way I pray for others. Literally before I even open the word, I'm like, Lord, this is about you. This is about me wanting to get to know you. Where do you want me to read? And can you give me your eyes so that I can glean what I need to glean from this scripture? Because what that's done for me is, I mean, the Bible tells us that the fear or reverence for God is the start of wisdom and discernment, right? And I can give you references later if you like. I can't remember everything off the top of my head, but trusting in that and knowing that if I'm here to glorify God and do everything in my life unto him and not unto man, that he's going to meet me there. And there's countless records of that all over the Bible that God uses us and he transforms us. And that's something that I've seen in my own life is the more I find out about who God is and what he's done the more I'm just in awe of him. And I think sometimes there's a tendency for community to judge people in how they're living if we can't relate to them. So, you know, oftentimes it's the extreme forms of that, whether that's alcoholism or substance abuse or pornography or like whatever it may be, right? And it's easy for us to look at something that we don't understand and perhaps enforce our own perception. But the reality is, all sin is sin. And God loves the person, but he hates the sin, which is why Jesus was sent anyways. And so it's humbling to be able to be like, you know, I may have lied today, or I may have judged somebody. And rather than relying on my own strength to help someone meet what I interpret as who God is, or his judgments, I'm able to say, hey, I love you. Let's do this together because I also want to be refined and transformed. And there's reference in the word talking about how people were so consecrated that their shadow healed people. Like that's the goal for me, you know, and realizing that conviction is different for every person. One of the friends we already mentioned, Natty, you know, I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this. So thanks, Natty, if you're listening. One of his convictions is not speeding. And I personally do not have that conviction. I repent, Lord, and to everyone listening, I speed on a regular basis. You know, I'm not following the law of the land in that respect, but I do have a deep conviction about what I watch, you know? And so I've had discussions with family members or friends where there's just things that I have to step out of because my spirit, like I can feel it, you know, my heart feels like it's grieving over something that I don't want to put into my soul or put into my mind's eye. And it's not about judging somebody for not living in my same conviction, but it is about being accountable to the Lord for what he has placed on my heart. Because I think when we do get to heaven and we have the opportunity to be in the throne room and encounter the Lord in all of his glory, he's not going to judge me one with a group of people, but that he's going to look at me and be able to say, did you live to the best of your ability and what I've called you to? Because I'm running my race in my purpose and my conviction. But if I don't ask Holy Spirit how to encounter him through the word or through my everyday life, I could be missing the point. And I think that's the humbling part about hearing the two of you do it together is that there's something new and something for you both distinctly in your walk, wherever you're at, that God can work in you. And I'm not sure if the two of you like do a Zoom call and read it together, or if you just 
read it on your own time and come back and discuss or how you're going about it. But I know that talking about specific sections of the word with friends or I mean, people call it Bible study, but it it literally can just be going to a coffee shop, you know, discussing it and hearing different perspectives and different interpretations of the word has been humbling as well, because sometimes they're just things that you've never thought of. And even how something can be written in context of Exodus or Old Testament, and that was before Jesus had come, like there's still validity in it. You know, the Bible has sections and chapters and books of the Bible but it's still all relevant to us. And I find the more I read it, the more I meditate on it. There really is a verse for every form of challenge or adversity in life. Like it really helps you in any way. And it's cool just to look at dates. That's something that I'm also looking at is when it says like the 27th day of the second month. I'm like, I don't know if it's our calendar, but that would be like February 27th. And that's close to my birthday. And you know how it's funny just to feel like God sees you, even if it's not exactly what was intended to be written or intended to be perceived, but how he can still meet you in that. So yeah, I'll be praying for the two of you that it goes well and that you're both transformed. I mean, it's impossible not to be transformed in some way if you're reading the word. And I think that's the coolest part. Thank you. So if I might ask, as we transition into the main topic, as if we haven't already been talking about the main topic, what did your first encounter with the Holy Spirit look like in your life? This is such a cool question because he's taking me back to it. So my first time encountering Holy Spirit was when I was little. I was three years old when I asked Jesus into my heart, so to speak. And I know people may be like, well, did you know what you were doing? But I vividly remember it. And I remember my grandma giving me my first Bible and I didn't understand what Holy Spirit was. I could feel it, but I didn't know. And then when I was 16, I had just moved. We had moved to a new city and we were starting a new church. And this incredible girl did a young girl's Bible study. And there was a devotional called Rivers from Eden. And I can send you that information if you wanted to tag that. But it's basically a journal that teaches you how to interact with the Lord in general. And it will give a daily theme but it gives you an explanation of a scenario of where you might be. So let's say it's like, oh, I was meeting God in the garden of my heart, and it will describe what that looks like. But the whole point is to give you an example of what it could be, and then allow Holy Spirit to encounter you in that way. And it's interesting because after all this time, I hadn't even seen the book, but you know, my family's moving again, and there's lots of transition going on, and that was actually found And so I've been rereading that book for the first time in like 10 years and just remembering where God met me when I didn't know who he was. And the first time God spoke to me or I felt his presence was through the wind and then reading Noah's encounter with the flood and how God remembered Noah in the flood and admits that he sent the wind to have the waters recede. And so seeing the pattern of who God is of using wind to woo his people and then see his people has just impacted my heart in a new way. And so I think that's a short version of I encountered him, but didn't know him. And then time led on, I began to understand who he is. He encountered me as a teenager, still didn't fully understand it, but then the send and going out and adventuring with him, relying on him, you have to get to know someone if that's all you have, (laughs) you know, and that sounds maybe bad for lack of proper wording, but that's the truth. When I was in Australia, all of my accommodations fell through and I had nothing to do but to ask Holy Spirit for help. 
And that's how I live my life now, where there's nothing I want to do that doesn't include him. You know, if I'm going to a movie, I'm like, what movie do you want to see, Lord? (laughs) And that sounds silly, maybe, but it's like if you have a friend, you know, if you know them really well, you probably know what type of movies they're interested in. But the more you love them, the more you want to please them. And the more you want to do things that they also enjoy because they matter to you. And so I think the concept of being like, oh, I ask the Lord before I do almost anything or before I make a final decision, it may come across as religious to some if they don't understand the heart posture behind it. And I think that's what my goal is, is to explain to people that I never ask the Lord just because I feel like he's sovereign and because I need to do whatever it is in his will. I do it because I genuinely love him and I want him to be a part of everything that I do because he matters and I love spending time with him. So I think it's cool because reading the book has just brought it full circle in this season. Has God ever led you to do something that it made you feel like he was pushing you out of your comfort zone and you said to him, no, I don't want to do this. Perhaps you even followed through with that mindset and you didn't do it and you missed out on the blessing. What has that been like for you if it's something that you've experienced or have you just been completely obedient 100% during this entire time? Absolutely. I've disobeyed. You know, I think it's a journey of growing in maturity in our walk. You know, I think about childhood, for example, where your parents or whoever's raising you. For me, like a lot of times it was my grandma being like, did you brush your teeth? are you getting ready for bed? And you need those cues to be like, oh, shoot, I didn't, I didn't, I'm so sorry. Ah." And they have to tell you to do it consistently, even though every day when you wake up or go to bed or whatever your routine is, you do it the exact same time every day. And so I think that's how it's been with me now, because as an adult, I don't have someone looking over my shoulder being like, hey, did you brush your teeth? There's a maturity of being like, oh, I just know to do this. And I think that's the easiest way of explaining how I've grown in obedience to the Lord, because when you say that you take him into account for everything that you do, you can't just blaspheme and say that's something you do if it's actually not something you do. And I think it's been the little things. I think right now in this season, I already mentioned like the Sabbath day that I've been taking and just getting unplugged. Well, I didn't realize that it would change as my life was changing back to normal, right? So being in the middle of nowhere on an acreage, I had the means to just be alone and be unplugged. But now that I'm back with community, you know, I'm living with other people or sharing a space. You can't just necessarily be alone and uninterrupted all the time. And so one of those things for me was there has been grace with when I take my 24 hours, I still do it, but I, you know, it's been fluctuating since I traveled, for instance, like the wedding landed on one of the days that is my Sabbath, you know? So having flexibility and the Lord creating space for that because he was the one who told me to go to this wedding. So one thing I didn't ask is, Lord, are there still exceptions for this? And like, it was not intentional or malicious to be like, oh, I'm ignoring my Sabbath day. I'll do it on a different day. It was like, oh, I'll I'll go to this birthday party or, oh, someone's family's in town. I'll go meet them and do X, Y, and Z with them. And it was such a gentle, loving reminder of like, hey, you said you were going to do this. Where are you at with this? You know, you said that this day would be for me and it's not right now. And I think that's the beauty of it is sometimes I want to have such a pure heart and be so upright and righteous that I'm like, 
I never want to sin. I never want to do wrong, Lord. But our heart is deceitful. The Lord tells us that, you know, from childhood that we're geared that way. And whether we mean to or not, you know, I think I was giving myself an exception that I didn't actually ask for. And so the journey of committing to plans with someone on my Sabbath day, and then the Lord convicting me the day before. And I use conviction instead of condemnation because I don't believe that God uses condemnation. If we feel shame or guilt, I don't think that's of him, but I do think that conviction is. And I did, I felt convicted and I felt, you know, sad that I was like, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I, I didn't ask you before I did this. And so then the grievance of like disappointing myself and the Lord. And I mean, this sounds like so extreme, <laughs> but I'm just being honest, you know, and then telling my friend, Hey, I actually can't come to this birthday party. I, I normally take time away and they're already aware of how I take time away with the Lord on specific days, but seeing the disappointment in their face, you know, and having to process that of like, okay, this is the choice I've decided. And in the past, of course, there's times when I was learning how to hear Holy Spirit and I was so hungry to see people healed. It would be like, oh, go pray for that person. And at the beginning, it's like, I'm shy. They're going to think I'm strange being like, hey, the Lord told me to pray for you. And what type of language do you use? And we get all nervous. And, you know, what if they, they reject me and all those things. Like as a teenager, even throughout life, rejection is so hard and learning how to process that or, you know, learning how to process if you hear right, but someone may not say that it's accurate, or maybe you get it wrong, or, you know, navigating all those things, because that's part of trying. And I think, again, going back to the childhood example, like when a baby poops its diaper, you don't throw the baby out, you like, clean them up. And maybe that's a bit graphic. <laughs> but like, when the baby tries to help clean it up, they're like putting their hands down there, and it just makes more mess. You're like, no, like, be still, let me clean it up. You know, but that's exactly how I felt with how the Lord has transformed the way I hear him and the way I obey him. Because for me personally, it's easy for me to follow rules. I'm just going to be honest. Like if I have instruction or direction, I'm more likely to abide by those or listen to those than if I don't. And so that's something that is manifesting in my life right now is that the Lord doesn't give me specific direction. It's like, I want you to do it. And understanding that the more time you spend with him, the more you're becoming like him. I mean, we're already made in his image, but understanding that our thoughts become like his thoughts when you commune with him on a regular basis. And yes, the word tells us that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And that's part of the majesty and sovereignty of who God is. But understanding that he trusts us enough to steward our body, to steward our mind, will, and emotions, and to steward our heart. Because, yeah. He gave us our physical being on purpose and knowing that he does entrust us for a reason is really empowering. Sometimes it feels daunting, but it's really empowering to be like, hey, I messed up. It's okay. I'm going to start back over again. And there's a verse that talks about the righteous may fall seven times, but the key part is we get back up again. You know, it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to you know, sin. I'm not empowering people to sin, but I'm saying that don't stop there. Turn to God, repent, start over, do whatever you got to do to get back on track with knowing that he loves you. And if he's for you, no one can be against you. And don't keep sinning until you die. Totally. I think that's the goal, right? I think there's a difference from freedom to sin and freedom from sin. 
And I think that's the power of community, you know, like it's easy to have blind spots when no one's there to help check you. But that's the beauty of driving in a car with multiple people is like, if you can't see a car and you're about to shoulder or change lanes and you didn't shoulder check, people are like, bro, like, hello, there's a car, you know? And I think that's the cool part is having humility and understanding that we're not perfect, that it's about progression, not perfection and allowing people to check you or confront you in an area that you may be blind to. And that's one of the best parts that I perceive about community is yes, where two or three are gathered, he's there and there's worship and there's doing life and evangelizing and going out and being the hands and feet of Christ. But it's also to embedder us, you know, to make us more like Christ. And for example, there's been days here, it's been really hot. I'm in Oklahoma right now and I haven't been drinking water it can be that simple where it's like, oh, what does it look like to steward your temple? Like when I gave my life to Jesus, I committed to saying that my body and my life is not my own. And recognizing that for lack of a better term, it's like my body's on loan. You know what I mean? Like it belongs to the Lord, but I'm using it to fulfill his purpose. If I'm not drinking water, I'm not saying that that's a sin, but like I need to glorify my temple according to the Lord's purpose. If I'm dehydrated and parched, (laughs) you know, maybe that's something I should look into. And that's why I encourage people to live out the conviction that God places on their heart, because never would I have told you like 20 years ago that I would be taking a full 24 hours away to be with the Lord. And that's not to glorify me. Like the Lord created Sabbath for us. It's not we're for Sabbath. You know what I mean? Like rest is something that I have been disobedient in my entire life, like that busy lifestyle, you know, not taking time to be alone with the Lord and making that a priority. So I think it changes as we mature in the Lord. And I think that's the exciting part. But yeah, I'm disobedient unintentionally all the time, but I just have to check myself, let the Lord check me, let other people check me in a loving way and start over. We've talked a little bit about how God has led you towards things that are in line with his will. And how that has benefited you as a believer, as someone who's in relationship with him. Has there ever been a time where God has led you away from something, whether it was physically dangerous or it was heretical, and you were able to look back on it and realize, oh, God, you were actually protecting me this entire time? Wow. I think I could give a million examples for this one. And I'm not even exaggerating because I think sometimes even when we pray, whether we intend to or not, we envision what it's going to look like. And I think the greatest part is tapping into the fact that I can talk to God and ask what his vision is. But this has come into play with physical locations. Like maybe I'm in a spot that's dangerous. This has come into play with relationships. Like I really do believe that relationships either add to you or they subtract from you. There's really hardly any times where it's just benign and it's neutral. And I'm not saying that should be how we perceive relationship or go about friendship with others is saying like, oh, do they add to me or do they take away from me? I'm saying like, what do you bring out in others when you commune with them? And what do they bring out in you? For example, one of my life goals is when I meet someone or something, I want to leave it better than how I found it. And so For example, with pandemic talk or some of the adversity that's gone on with Black Lives Matter or different movements or injustices that have happened in 2020 and 2021 so far is like, when you talk to someone about something, does it evoke hope in them? Do they feel like, okay, yeah, despite these challenges, 
there's always more in the Lord or does it lead them down a path that their mindset is actually more in pain? And I think that's the mark of there are things that I thought were for me, but the greatest lesson is, you know, not all good things look like, (laughs) how do I phrase this word? Not all good things are from God. And I think that's where discernment comes in because, you know, you've heard multiple pastors as well be like, hey, I thought this was for me, but God led me in a new direction. And Michael Todd, the pastor of Transformation Church, is someone I really admire and look up to because, you know, he wanted to do music and produce and he had an opportunity in his younger days. And he was like, I'm jumping at the bit to go for it. And God said, no. And there's been things like that in my own life where the desires of my heart For example, like, I want to be a mother of the nations, you know, I want to love all the babies and love the people that are motherless, but honoring the fact that God has called me to be a student, for example, in my mid twenties, like that's humbling because I'm like, I never enjoyed school growing up. So it's kind of ironic and funny to be like, he's having me teach as an instructor at a university and do research and all these things that I didn't think I would be good at, but he's led me in a new direction. And I think it happens on a regular basis where I'm quick to acknowledge when God answers my prayer with the opposite of what I wanted to happen because I know it's for my good. So what I mean with the whole like adding or taking away with relationship is something that I thought was good and it was growing me in many ways in terms of learning how to receive love or just people caring for me. The relationship actually was derailing me from my purpose because the one thing that I was focusing on more than anything was that person rather than God. Or I think sometimes there's an interpretation where we think that painful things or hurtful things are like demonic or not from God, but that's also not true. You know, like the whole point is God talks about refining us. Iron sharpening iron in friendship, that is not a pretty process. Has anyone actually seen iron sharpening iron? There's like shards of metal flying and there's sparks and it's messy. It gets really practical. But I think that's the thing is being willing to let God steer us in a way that we didn't envision has just created so much freedom in my life. So I could talk about that one for a long time, but did that answer where you're going with the conversation? A little bit. Yeah. If I might speak into my own experience a little bit, and this is going to tie into previous questions that I asked you, but I think There's a difference between the first time that God spoke to me in an oblique way and the first time that I actually remember him speaking to me clearly. The first time that I remember God speaking to me obliquely was that when I moved back to Canada, I ended up getting into a romantic relationship with someone who was a coworker of mine at the fast food restaurant we both worked at. She and I both went to the same church. We dated for a little bit, and then she ended up dumping me for reasons that I don't have time to disclose. But anyways, I still wanted to be with her. I thought that she and I were a perfect fit. And so I remember praying to God, asking him, God, please show me a sign that this woman and I are going to get together. If you want me to set the parameters, tomorrow I'm going to be going to church. I want to be able to have a conversation with one of her family members. And if I get that opportunity, then I'll know for certain that she and I are meant to be together. Woke up the next morning to realize that a freak snowstorm had blown over the night before towards the end of April. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this is, this still can happen. It's, it's, it's still possible 
I rushed over to the church. And as I was sitting through the service, I was looking through the pews. I couldn't find her family anywhere. I realized they probably stayed home because they didn't want to have to deal with the icy roads. And I remember just sinking in my chair and realizing, oh, shoot, I guess I got the sign that I was looking for. And what God is telling me now is that, no, you're not going to end up with this girl. Deal with it. I remember being fairly depressed. I had gone through a very difficult period of my life where I had another failed attempt at a romantic relationship that ended up being very miserable for me. And so I didn't want to have to go through that kind of experience ever again. And the fact that I knew this was the beginning of that kind of process, it was enough to make me want to kill myself. And so after the church service was over, as I was making my way out of the church, a guy I had never spoken to before, he and I had a conversation and he asked me, well, hey, how are you doing? And I said, I'm doing okay, I guess. And he said, no, really, how are you doing? Because I noticed that you were slumping in your chair. You looked fairly depressed. You're not as lively as you typically are on Sundays. And I just wanted to make sure that you were okay. And so from there, I was able to open up and be vulnerable and talk to him about what I was struggling with. And I felt like that was God's way of telling me, this isn't going to work out for you. But at the same time, please don't do anything stupid because I still have a plan and a purpose for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that was the first time that I remember God speaking to me in an oblique manner where I could tell he was saying something, but I'm not going to say that he actually spoke to me. He spoke to my spirit. The first time that I remember God speaking to my spirit was about four years ago. I had spent much of the summer believing that I was going to be moving back to Scotland with my family. And that's where our new home was going to be for the next couple of years. And I wouldn't have to worry about living in Canada anymore. I was going to have to say goodbye to all of the friends that I made. And that was going to be fine. But then we didn't end up moving to Scotland because we didn't have enough money. And so now there was a huge question of, okay, well, what's the future going to look like for me? And as I was going through this period of disillusionment, I attended this worship night with my dad. And while I was there, I spoke with one of my former teachers from Bible college. He taught me a little bit about what it was like to pray to God and actually listen to him. And what his suggestion was, was essentially like, just start asking him questions and see what you get back as the immediate answer. And so I asked God three questions that night. First of all, what did he think of me? Secondly, what was it like for Jesus to go through puberty? Because that answer is probably not in scripture. It's probably something that you're going to get when you reach heaven. But I figured, hey, if there was any secrets from heaven that God could share with me, that's the one that I wanted to know the most at that moment. And the third question I asked was, how long am I going to be in Canada for? Because for every year for the last four or five years, I've been moving from place to place. I've never been able to put down roots. Now it looks like I'm stuck here. So if that's the case, then how long am I supposed to be here for? And the answer I got back was five years. And taking that prophecy seriously and literally, and knowing that I am meant to be here where I am for God's purposes, it's helped to inform quite a number of decisions that I've made. So for example, 
the year after that, I had the opportunity to start attending university at a place called McEwen University here in Edmonton. But I ended up turning down that opportunity because I realized that, well, first of all, I would have to go into a lot of student loan debt in order for that to happen. And secondly, the courses that I wanted to take, they would require me to argue against the content because they were presenting a worldview that I fundamentally did not agree with. And of course, if I had taken part in that university course and had tried to get my degree there, I would have had to deal with the upheaval that came about when COVID took place. And I'm glad that I didn't have to deal with that amount of stress as it was happening for thousands of students across the province, tens Mm -hmm. of thousands of students across the whole nation. Another thing that was good in hindsight was that because I knew that I was supposed to be in Canada, I also knew that I wasn't supposed to be moving back to Scotland or anywhere else for that matter. And so when my parents eventually made the choice to move elsewhere to Europe, my decision at that time was, no, I'm not going to move with you. I am going to stay here because Mm -hmm. I just feel like this is what God is calling me to do. And it turns out when COVID struck, Europe and all the European countries were some of the most hard hit areas in the entire world. While here in Canada, it was fairly low down on the list because of how sparsely populated the entire country is in comparison to its size. And so like it's stuff like that where you don't realize it at the time, but it's only when you look back and you realize, oh, wait, God was actually protecting me from this. Otherwise, it wouldn't have aligned with his will. Totally. And I think it's cool that you talk about interpretation and trusting in what he said, because I remember I was in relationship at the time and this person and I thought that we were going to get married and the whole shebang. I've only dated one person before and it was a big deal to me. And I remember we had discussed breaking up and I had broke up with him and was confused because I was like, Lord, like this is not what you had given me vision for and blah, blah, blah. And I remember God giving me distinct words about the future. And at the time, I took it as encouragement of like, okay, like maybe I should wait on this and maybe this person and I will get back together, whatever. But the reality was, is yes, I heard God accurately, but it's not what I thought it was in it being him and I together. It was that I would experience that on my own. And so I think that's the key in any experience is when you hear something First of all, test the spirits, like test and know it to see if it's accurate and if it's from the Lord. And two, ask him for what it looks like in his timing, because sometimes the lack of knowing something is actually for our good. Otherwise, we'd mess it up. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think romantic relationship is the easiest to pick on because people relate to it really well. Like if someone was standing in front of you and God was like, that's your wife or that's your husband, how would you not want to rush the process of being like, hey, God told me that you're my spouse. And I know that people have experiences like that. So I'm not undermining the value of that. But like sometimes not knowing something allows our experience to be organic and be able to just take it in how he has it. But understanding as well that there's choice. And I think that's something that the church should amplify a little bit more is what pursuit looks like in romantic relationship. Because yeah, there are biblical references of what relationship should entail. And, you know, I think 
both ends of the spectrum, guys and girls, need to understand what that actually looks like and what it looks like to be in healthy relationship. Because God does desire us to be in healthy relationship, whether romantic, friendship, business partners, etc. So we'll to see how God really opened up that for you. But of course, there can also be times where God will call you to marry a prostitute or someone totally out of left field where it's like, oh, are you sure this is really what you want, God? Totally. I think I would never put anything past God. You know, I think sometimes we read the word or we're in our little Christian bubbles or whatever it may be. And we're like, oh, God would never do that. But I'm like, God is God. (laughs) He can do anything whenever, anytime he wants. So yeah, he works in mysterious ways. And that's where trust always comes in as well. Has he given you a vision for what your future husband looks like or what he's meant to be? Or has it just been like, I'm just going to trust you. Whatever happens, happens. Ooh, that's a good question. I think, yes, he has shown me glimpses. At this time, I can't obviously disclose everything for sake of time and just honoring that not everything that God tells me are things to share, but also knowing the timing of those things as well. Yeah. I would say... A lot of them are just challenging me because I think in our humanness, we have a perception of what we think we deserve. And every time God gives me a glimpse, I can't say I know what he looks like. I'm not driven by that. I'm driven by the heart of people. But I think realizing that God's like, I want to woo you first. And that's kind of what I've been walking out, even in this season of realizing that I can't understand what love is until I know who love is. And that's the Lord. And that's something that he spoke to me last year, actually, is like, hey, I need you to let me show you what love looks like for a while. Otherwise, you're not going to know how to receive it when it comes for you. And it's just always exciting to see how God does that because he just always surprises me. That's how he woos me, you know, and I think he's been doing it through people. And I, I always am amazed how God uses people to work his purposes, because even with friends, I remember Sarah, who you had met when we were at church at Summit. She's one of my closest friends. We were driving to Vancouver and road tripping and I was driving and I was so hungry. It was way past lunchtime. It was like getting closer to dinner and we hadn't really eaten all day. And she was just so willing to just feed me. It seems so insignificant. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like we were having a meal with like a fork and knife and just the simple gesture of like putting food in my mouth. I like didn't know how to receive it. And it's funny looking back because God's taking me on this journey of learning how to receive in general. But I think in terms of romantic relationship, if we all would focus on becoming the man or woman that aligns with the person we want to be with, it would save a lot of heartache because singleness is beautiful. And I can say in my singleness, learning how to steward that has been a journey in itself because yeah, when you get married, you have to submit and die to self even more because you're doing it on behalf of someone else. And when you have kids, like your time is not your own time. And I know there's ways to navigate that, but regardless of whatever season we're in, whether that's single, dating, engaged, married, having kids, empty nesters, there's always a process of, I think, dating in general, like getting to know either yourself, getting to know your partner, or getting to know whoever you're in covenant with. And I think looking at how often covenant is referred to in the word and looking at what that entails has been really empowering for me to steward myself well and to steward others well. 
And I think that's something that I'm learning is never to be entitled to A, someone's time or B, how they interact with you. Because yeah, I don't belong to anyone and nobody belongs to me, whether that's family or friends or a partner, whatever that actually entails. But understanding that I belong to the Lord, it changes your way of how you treat others and treat yourself. Because it's like if you borrowed someone's car, for example, I feel like personally, I can't speak on behalf of others, but personally, if I'm borrowing something from someone, I hold that with such a reverence and respect of like, I'm going to drive properly. I'm going to like clean it and vacuum it and wash it and return it back. Good as new. You're not going to speed. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you can call me. I'll, <laughs> I'll try not to anyone who I've borrowed their car. I don't think I have, but yeah. Anyways, the whole point is stewarding it well. And what does stewardship look like? And you talked about gifts and talents that God has given you and has given me and just like asking him what that looks like on a regular basis. And I think that's what's kind of birthing in me now is God's asking me to start this business and start acting upon the desires of my heart for justice with women and and men who have been in sex trafficking or just any type of slavery in general. And seeing that God would move in those ways because I can relate to some of those facets, you know? my story aligns with some people in in those different regards. And for sake of time, I won't dive into that. We can always talk another time. But yeah, just trusting that God has placed circumstance and events and opportunities in my life for a reason. And anything that appears to be for bad, God always uses for good. And yeah, I'm just excited to see how it unfolds because I have no idea. And it's always an adventure. (laughs) Yeah. One more thing that I want to say before I guess we close off because we are kind of running out of time. It's interesting to say, like for yourself, there's a lot of things that you don't know about how God is going to work in your life. And yet I think one of the first impressions that I got from you in first speaking with you at the send was that you were so close with God that you could just look at someone and you could know everything about them because God would fill you in with that information. That's why I always make the joke that you're psychic. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like. That's definitely Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I know that for myself, if there's anything that God wanted to share about me with you specifically, that might be like, I don't know, something that you didn't want to know about me. He could also do that. But I also think that looking at your relationship with God and looking at my relationship with God, there are certain things that I know for certain is going to happen in my life. God has told me, this is how your life is going to be. I have a very good idea of what things are going to look like for the next 30 or 40 years. But I also don't know how those are going to play out. It's sort of like a spoiler from a TV show that's like six seasons in but you don't know how the story is going to reach the point where that spoiler pays off. And I kind of wanted to hear your perspective on something like that, of what it's like to live in that way. A spoiler alert for you or for me? For both of us, for anyone who's living life in the spirit. So essentially just to rephrase, like explaining how to live without having a spoiler. How to live with spoilers with knowledge of the future with knowledge of other people while also not having knowledge passed down to you by God, whether it's because of his own choice or because you didn't think to ask. 
Okay, thank you for rephrasing. I would say understanding that God wants relationship with you and that he speaks to you because one, God sees you, he knows you, he listens to you, but he also speaks. And oftentimes I'll hear people say, and this was me, this was like me a few years ago being like, God doesn't speak to me. I can't hear him. Ah!" And you're just so frustrated. And I remember using that frustration to be like, you know what? No, like, God, you tell me you speak, your sheep know your voice, show me. And it's funny because when I met you, I did not feel like I knew what I was doing. You know, I had had glimpses of God speaking to me and I would write it down at like house church, for example, and write down the ideas that would pop into my head and ask God to just help me articulate to that person and give that person the piece of paper. And I remember my stepdad challenging me and being like, do it without having a piece of paper. You know, and I was like, well, that's just where I'm at right now. It's not because I'm making things up. It's because I can't consolidate all my thoughts. But I think the big step for that is that just trusting that God's going to say what he wants to say and choosing to submit my heart and my mouth to him in order to do what he wants to do. Because I think there's a difference between saying what we want to say and then allowing God to use us to say what he wants to say. And it's humbling when you realize that you're not in control at all. And that's the best part. But yeah, I think that's something that God has really placed on my heart is to help people understand how to hear the Lord and how to get vision for their life. And I actually do calls with people. I'm stepping into this. This is new for me. And it's like scary to admit in some ways where like, I want to help people who were where I was at step into who they are. And that's part of what like this business is entailed. It's called Beloved One. But it's basically just helping people come into alignment with their God-given purpose and eradicating fear and equipping them in their identity and then empowering them to step into who they are. And I think that's been the coolest part is the spoiler helps you keep on track, but it doesn't tell you where the track is. You know, it's like having a GPS or having Google Maps. You put on your iPhone or whatever, your device it's like, turn right. And you're like, I can't turn right. It says that there's construction and you're freaking out. And you're like, oh my gosh, I missed it. I missed the whole point, but automatically it reroutes, you know? So having the humility be like, oh my goodness, I didn't update my GPS or whatever. You know, that's a silly analogy, but being like, Lord, I thought I was doing it right. I may have got it wrong. And admitting that, I think, again, being honest and open and transparent, that's how I live. And it's kind of funny because you're like, I like to be hot, you know, and people are like, hot, what? And they assume it's about looks or something silly. I'm like, no, like, be humble, be hungry, be open to people's opinions, be open-minded to hear his voice, to know him, and be transparent. Like, you don't have to hide. And I think that's the best part is I ask people, does this resonate? Or I check in with them when I talk to them about the Holy Spirit, because it's funny, people think I know that I hear the Lord, but we always need reminders, you know, I'm like, Oh, yeah, I hear the Lord, right, right, you know, and everyone always says the same thing, like, duh, Brittany, come on. But I think that's the best part is whoever's listening, and you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to hear God, I desire him. Or maybe you're like, I've been running from God. And I just happened to stumble on this podcast, because Nathan's awesome, you know, I encourage you to just be still and ask for where to step next. And if that's something that you're wanting support in or someone to champion you in those things, I'm more than happy to meet with you. I mean, I can give my email and my Instagram, whatever is easiest. But yeah, Brittany M. Ward on Instagram, come and find me. Or Beloved One, B-E-L-O-V-E-D space W-O-N, as in like Beloved won the victory, not one as in the number. But yeah, I'm excited to see 
God's people set on fire for what he created them to do. And it all looks different. And the coolest part is how God speaks to me will be different how he speaks to you or to a friend or to your pastor, because it's unique to how he created us. And that's the the part that just blows me away every time is he tailors it to who we are and who he created us to be. So I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's been a pleasure and an honor as always to commune and talk about the Lord and just spend time with you and anyone listening. I hope that this day and this message brought hope to your heart and knowing that you are seen and loved and valued by not only us (laughs) as people talking, but also by the Lord. Yeah. I think you are a remarkable woman. You have a very good future ahead of you. And I think as long as you and God are walking side by side, you can only go up from here. Amen. Likewise, I'm excited to see the fruit of everything that the Lord is placing on your heart and as he meets you in every season that you're at. And I'm excited for what's to come in Edmonton as you step into the things that are on your heart. Yeah. Anyways, see you guys. Bye. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest, Brittany Ward. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.